it's universal, it's a communicator, it brings people together, it gets people moving. Even in the times when it's been difficult to do it, it's still there, you know? Like, I think it's the only thing I've ever really, could say I've ever really wanted to do, regardless of anything else. Welcome everybody to Nashville Drummers Podcast, episode 12. Today we have the good fortune of talking to Alan Pfeiffer. You may know Alan from his work at the band Flummox. He's also a Belmont grad. You may know him from having a delectable beard and being a super sweetheart. Alan really loves the drums. He loves drummers. And this is actually something I've, I've known about him already. So this is might sound like, of course he loves the drums and drummers, duh. No, what I mean is consistently, he has sent to me all these fringe groups and drummers and we're in this little group on Facebook, this little message group, and he'll send me, hey, check these out, check this guy out. And it's consistently somebody I haven't heard of who's dope. So he's a, he's a student of the game. You can say it that way. He's a big old drum nerd and I, I love him for that. It was refreshing to hear how drums have really played such an important role in his life beyond just a hobby or a craft, but he talks a lot about some ups and downs that he's had with his personal life and even with his family and how the drums have really helped him through some tough times, so that was kind of refreshing and nice to hear that. I think we all can take this instrument for granted sometimes, and Alan is definitely someone that has not done that, you know? Yeah, agreed, and he mentions in our conversation that using music as a form of therapy was uh, not only something that was important for him, but something he wanted to be able to kind of return the favor with and use music that he's playing, use the drums as a way to help bring people together or heal people. We talk about that a bit, and uh, yeah, it is a very interesting conversation, and I just love the dude. Is it really? Yeah, really. Yeah, this is a haven't really done like a specific like, what's you and like about you kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And along those lines, I'd like to ask, what is you? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so, do you go by Alan? Yeah. Yeah. Alan. Yeah. The first name's Alan. Second name is either Pfeiffer or Pfeiffer, depending on who you ask. Yeah. Uh, my parents have always. It's a very drummy last name. Yeah. My parents always. The family's from out of like South Germany, close to France, because it's mm. like French German, apparently. So mm. they always said, I guess overseas, if I was in Europe, it would be Pfeiffer, because that's like the per- correct German pronunciation. But Pfeiffer's the Americanized one. And well, uh, glad to have you here. I, I'm glad yeah. to be here. I'm excited to be here. This should be fun. It should be yeah. exciting. We always have Looking always have fun. We, we never really know where the conversation's going. Mm-hmm. And that's kind, of, kind of, of the fun part of it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like I'm, I'm meeting you for the first time, literally yeah. in this moment. Mm-hmm. I know you've. You have a history with Nate, or you've known yeah, him for, yeah, what, a few years yeah, now? A few years or? now. I think, like, yeah. I, like, messaged Nate back, like, maybe, like, 14 or 15 or something like that, because I was, like, I had, like, just found out about Stolas and was watching some shit. That's how we connected. Yeah, okay, and I was, yeah, like, yeah. And I, I, was, I remember hearing something about you had, like, either, I think you had done, like, a tour with them. Yeah, you I did play, And I was, like, them, yeah. but I, like, or I watched, like, their audio tree, and, like, somebody, somehow I found out that you played with them mm-hmm. at one point, and then I watched their audio tree, and it was someone else, and I was, like, hey, I thought you played something with them. Uh, and he's like, he like, did, but it was late. It was a different time or something like that. They've had at least three touring drummers mm-hmm. th- th- that I'm aware of. Obviously, Carlo being like just the actual, he was the guy. But yeah. once once he was 
doing the vocal full time. They, right. they had they had several guys yeah. they had cycled through. Did he ever play and sing that stuff with the same? He did. How, bro? I know <laughs> like, it was it was badass. <laughs> I know the dude from Hail. Does he hail the sun too, or is that a different guy that does D- the singing and diff- playing? Different guy, but they actually have a, a co-project together. Oh, uh, wow. I believe it's called Nova Charisma. Okay, We're, yeah, I remember checking that out. That stuff's cool. Uh, but yeah, no, I met Nate, Nate that way, and then I think then there was like it didn't I didn't get a chance to like meet him in person or anything like that, and then I got a chance for a gig that I had no business playing, um, opening for Virgil. And, oh, that's right. um, you were teching for him for that mm-hmm. tour. And mm-hmm. that was okay, how we'll have to hear that story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. That was, that's yeah. a, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, he was, Nate was teching, teching for Virgil that tour. And, uh, it was like, I, I forget exactly how it happened, but, um, or I, I had gotten a, a, a friend of mine, uh, Jade, who lives in uh, Atlanta currently, uh, he's a sound. He's actually going out on the road with uh, Saving Abel here. Okay, he's mm-hmm. been out with them the last few weeks. Sound guy, kind of. He's used to live here, but lives in Atlanta now. I think he recommended me for this gig. Um, I guess Virgil had talked to uh, Josiah mm-hmm. and was like, "That band that you had in Florida that we opened that opened for us at one time, are, can you put them together to like do an opening slot for me when I play my Nashville gig?" And he's like, "My band, Josiah's band, wasn't together anymore at that point, and so he, I guess, asked around town for people who would be able to play yeah. in that gig, and my name came up for that one, and I was like, uh." I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes, I guess I'll play that gig. Yeah. Um, and like, it was really, it was a super fun gig. Uh, we got to the other people. We the uh, guitarist for that gig, Drew Creel. Yeah. Um, he had two great player. Oh, f- phenomenal player. Loved playing with him, and a great guy too. I haven't gotten to see him in a while, but he's a great guy. So really, yeah. really nice person. Uh, and a great player, obviously. Uh, but we did two of his original tunes because he has like a he had like very like fusion esque kind of deal. Um, yes. We did two of those, and then um. There were two original songs that Josiah's old band did. One was like a ballad, and then one was this like seven and a half minute long like Dream Theater on steroids kind of thing. Like, just was like, I don't. What's the count? Like, I don't know these counts. This is a lot <laughs> yeah. more. And it was yeah. like you had one of those songs that you were just like, man, this is going to be rough. And I have like I had like two weeks to put it together. I uh, managed to get it like together as much as I could, but definitely like I ended up talking to Josiah, the drummer for that old for the band. I, his name escapes me at the moment, but like had to like talk to that dude and he sent me footage of him oh. playing it or something like that. The end of it was in six, but it was this really weird feel. And I was like, dude, what are you doing at the end of this song? Yeah. I genuinely don't know. Yeah. And so I had to like contact him and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> yeah, ended up that gig was. Uh, it was really cool. It was so. What year is this? This would have been like 2018. 2018. Yeah, 2018. You've been in Nashville October. ten years. Plus? Yes, yes. I moved here. I moved to Nashville uh, to go to school initially. Okay. Um, I had been uh, in the Pittsburgh area essentially. Grew up like born, raised uh, in uh, Pittsburgh, in and around Pittsburgh. Essentially, I lived in this little suburb of, of Pittsburgh called Evan City. It's like 3,000 people, blink if you miss it, two stoplights in town kind of thing. Very Not rural, but rural enough kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like 30 minutes from Pittsburgh. Weirdly enough, it had like one fairly famous claim to fame. If you've ever seen the 68 uh, Night of the Living Dead, the black oh. and white zombie movie. Yeah. So that was filmed in that area. Oh. Um, if oh. you, yeah. If you see the – if you see it. In the opening of the movie, it opens with this uh, brother and sister pair going to visit a grave, su- yeah. grave site. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah. So that cemetery <laughs> was like oh, a yeah. – yeah, the cemetery is like a block and a half from where I lived for, for a, like wow. the back half of my life. Yeah. Have you never seen that? Dan? No. Dan's not a movie guy. Oh, okay. So I'm not a huge zombie picture nut mm-hmm. because I think a yeah, lot of them, they just kind of recycle ideas. This yeah. was like groundbreaking <laughs> when, when they came up and it's – 
It is really well done. Oh, it's the history of it's actually kind of interesting too because the way that they license it or copyright it or something, they didn't necessarily have zombie as like a copyrighted term. So mm. like because of like the legal ramifications of the copyright stuff, people could kind of take the Night of the Living Dead like living dead monkeyer and like name and just use it for stuff for a while. So there's like Italian and European horror movies that are like sequels or like right. spinoffs from it, but really have nothing to do with it. Yeah, And they're very strange. Um, yeah. Very, very, very yeah. strange. <laughs> um, but like, it's, there's like a remake from the nineties of it, you know, yeah. it's, you know, but the 68 one is like the thirties, 1930s and stuff. There's a couple, one of the quote zombie movies that are a little bit more like, you know, more in the voodoo realm, right? Voodoo realm, yeah. but essentially more sci, like the sci-fi, like horror element of it. Hmm. Um, the '68 one is kind of like that's where a lot of that stuff that we, you, all three of us, have all seen and are like bored of zombie films. But all of right. that stuff is like <laughs> the DNA of it is in that film. Gotcha. Um, and it's really funny too. Like for me, it was like I've seen that since I was like hmm. three or four. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because I grew yeah. up around there. So man, the, yeah. I don't think I, I can't think of anything from my own hometown that has that kind of mm-hmm. historical significance yeah. at least like not nothing that nothing springs to mind yeah. to be honest and that makes me a little jealous i've gotten to do like a bit on the road where you like end up in some random ass town in the middle <laughs> yeah. of like you're in like such like, you're in like beaver falls wisconsin and you're like oh wow look at this cool little part of aspect of it or you know yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know like around when i was touring more regularly is like a hired gun that's when a lot of uh, these like smaller towns are sort of getting revitalized yeah. a little bit while you were talking about that you mentioned uh touring as a hired gun mm-hmm. so why, why don't you talk to us a little bit about that i don't really know that part of your story for sure yeah i've done a little bit of that kind of work most of the stuff i've done since i've been in nashville has been playing with bands mm-hmm. um and at that even some of like the hired gun stuff more so was a little bit bands band related in a yeah. sense um i got out of school in 2011 was when i graduated and i was at that time, where was, was that? That was in Nashville, right? Yeah, sorry, it was here in Belmont. I was Belmont, here in Belmont. Okay. Yeah, um, I was at a state. Yeah, I guess start to start from the beginning. Can I make you guys feel old? Twenty eleven. I graduated high school. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we have Lord. If you want to, if you all want to feel old, we have a we have a fan Discord, and one someone said something the other day about um, seeing Gangnam Style when they were in third grade. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. ouch. That's just weird. Yeah, and Chase, our guitarist. Wasn't that was, last yeah. week? Yeah, yeah our right. guitarist Chase is like, man, that he's like, man, that makes me feel old. I'm almost 30. That makes me feel old. And I was like, but I'm 33. <laughs> like, how do you think Bro. I'm feeling this stuff? But I guess, it's, yeah, but like, um, yeah, I graduated high school in 2007. And then there was a state school about 30 miles north of where I went to high school called Slippery Rock University, which in the Western Pennsylvania area, as far as music goes, was one of like the more predominant schools for it. Um, I had been taking lessons with the head of the percussion department, uh, Doc Glover. Swing like a motherfucker. That dude is <laughs> such a good player. Any, and, and, any relation to Danny? Unfortunately, no. He's like a little shorter than me and white, so probably okay. not, <laughs> not too much yeah. to yeah. not much. But um, yeah. he's like FSU, like FSU grad, like went to like Texas State for masters. So the dude was like an incredible musician, an incredible educator. The plan was go to Slippery Rock and to get a get a music therapy degree initially. Okay. Um, I wanted. To, I had been like looking into like avenues. My mother was a was a second grade teacher, and I've been around her a lot enough to know that I don't really have the patience for teaching. In high school, I had done some like research about Alzheimer's because of a family member and found that it's not usually covered by insurance. A lot like a lot of people who work with Alzheimer's for like treatment options say use music therapy or, or recommend it. Yeah. It's becoming, um, I think, a much bigger field now. Oh, it definitely sure. is. I think yeah. that people are starting to kind of, well, I mean, it's like one of those like tangential things that people talk about where it's like, 
oh yeah, you know, mood, you know, I feel, you can listen to a song and you can feel better, you know, yeah. like a song can make you happier or sad or something like that. But to look at it from like a clinical angle, it was like really interesting. Yeah. And like a lot that, you know, like one example that always stuck with me was in doing the research, they had this example of this woman who could barely speak, but as soon as they started playing like old hymnals for her. Yeah. See, I love those stories. Like wow. she just oh. immediately opens up, can sing so every powerful. word, remembers everything yeah. from it, you know, wow. and it's just like, I've always tried to want to have like some sort of services and this may be a weird word for it, but like, I do think that there's a certain amount of service that comes with playing these instruments, mm-hmm. with playing an instrument in general, and especially drums. I think you hear so much about having to like support, you're supposed to support the song, you know, yeah. you're supposed to play support things the band. that support the band, make yeah. everybody feel good, make everything feel, you know, like it's right, like it has to be a certain way. And so I think that there is a certain aspect of that that also kind of bled into wanting to do the therapy stuff. Then I went to graduated high school, tried to get my shit together for the audition and didn't make it. Maybe like eight or ten majors total. Yeah. So it was fairly competitive. By the time I auditioned, they kind of had already figured out who they wanted. And like I already had to push myself back because like I was taking lessons with Doc at the time. So mm-hmm. it was like, let me show you what I'm preparing for my audition. And I think like the, the week before I brought my stuff and he was like, you can audition this week, but I can tell you right now you're not going to make it. No. So when we push this back and, you know, even after that, like it still just didn't have it together, I guess the way that he wanted or the way that it needed to be. Mm. Um, but so I ended up going to Slippery Rock freshman year, essentially as a general education student really didn't kind of was feeling, honestly was feeling pretty directionless. It was just kind of like, well, yeah. we just go to college. So at that point were you still playing in bands? Are you still drumming? Or? Yeah, actually the, the nice thing about it being a smaller music program, you do a lot of elective and audited courses. Mm-hmm. So I still wanted to like, so obviously still wanted to like play and I had like marched and done jazz band and like a concert band all through high school. So I still wanted to keep some of that stuff up. So full on percussion. Yeah. Drum like, set, timpani. Yeah. You know, all that balance, kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Son of a bitch. Yep. <laughs> no, so, someone's building um, you one right now, right? Although honestly, dude, I, I trash, I am a trash marimba player. So don't, don't beat yourself up too much. Like I, I did like, I, unless I, you stick with it, it's like, I, I, I same with you. I did. I have a full percussion like yeah. minor, and like I did nice. the four mallet solos. Mm-hmm. But like I haven't played an instrument in four years. Mallet, I haven't had mallet, a reason to practice. Scary. Yeah. I so now I have it. like I have no chops. Yeah. I've I've and like I was garbage at it whenever I was in school. So don't feel too bad about it. Yeah. Um, but like yeah, like they had the full gamut of that stuff. You know, I did a little bit of. They had like a wind ensemble that I audited and took that class in the fall. Audited marching band in the spring. Audited wind ensemble, hmm. um, and then they had a percussion ensemble, which was like half. Yep percussion composition material you know and stuff and then the other half was actually a steel pan band oh, so cool. i got to yeah so i got to learn i've never really gotten into steel pan it's it's a weird instrument it's, it sounds it's, beautiful and um, it's amazing and the guys that do play it well oh, are just yeah. like incredible yeah. um, you, ever, you ever check out jonathan scales that's, that's what i was gonna yeah. bring up yep. yeah buddy Man. Mm-hmm. we got to I th- the orchestra yeah buddy i got to open for the orchestra with montezuma like way wow. back like this is probably like his first record, if anything, that era. I don't know that Mason was playing with him at that time. Yeah, there was like a little, it was like a two, it ended up being a two band bill on the second floor of Piranhas had like a second story, like little dive bar. And so it was just us, just both bands. Mm. Uh, amazing show. Yeah. Did, um, I, did I ever tell you my, my, uh, Forkestra story, my Mason story? No. From, so I, I, I picked him up from the airport. I remember that it was whenever the, the, the fires were happening in California yeah. and I had, I had just gotten word from my parents like evacuating and we were like, maybe their house is burned down. 
So I, I got that word, and then half an hour later, I was picking Mason up from the airport. I'm like, this guy's my hero. I love this guy. He's a good buddy of mine. And I'm like, I'm so I'm in two worlds simultaneously. We went out to Victor Wooten's place uh, out in the Wooten Woods, and and he played – well, I mean, they were playing a set out there. So I'm just like getting to hang at the mm-hmm. camp for free and seeing all this cool stuff That's awesome. and seeing the show. And on like on stage – they called everyone on stage – for the last song and Mason played this drum solo oh, that was like <laughs> mind melting, like reality warping that dude. I don't know what that dude, he like, broke the does. snare. Oh my God. Switch, <laughs> switch snares. So in the mid solo tat- tuned the second snare Ugh. up and just, just obliterated. And you, and you know how his, his physicality is just unbelievable. Yeah. I, I remember he's wearing a gray shirt. And what is what's the hallmark of a gray shirt? What is it what does it show? It shows when you sweat. Mm-hmm. And that dude didn't have a drop of sweat on him That's at, the, at the end of the whole dude, thing. I was like, is, what he's unreal. planet are you from? <laughs> what Mason? level of reality are you uh, he's, focusing on? But he and he's that that's like if you next time he's in town, I'll try to like we'll I'll try to get us all together and sit down on some yeah, kids. I get to see him. Yeah, yeah, you need you need yeah. to see him, man. Because it's just like when you see him in person, it's this whole mm-hmm. like I'm I'm like witnessing a force of nature, yeah. like the, uh, like a true one off, mm-hmm. like nature. Was That's like, what I feel cool. with Here's, watching uh, Garskud play. Yes, yeah. Which, no. yeah. Sorry about your, a few weeks. Sorry about your birthday. Why are you sorry? <laughs> I, I still make. He's, he's doing a clinic. At, uh, yeah, the basement east. Yeah, yeah. I just heard about that the other day. Yeah, very, this podcast very, will probably be out by then, but it's yeah, free. Okay. All, everyone should definitely go. Yes, please yeah. go. I don't know you why you wouldn't, know. unless it's your birthday, unless yeah. you have actual plans. Yeah, but I still may go. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah I forget what's Maybe you will. Yeah. Maybe you will. You'd be like, it's my. I have birth- seen him in clinic a few times though. So be like, it's my birthday. I have. I want to go. You have. You have to go. I've not seen him. What's funny is I met Matt. Once through Mason, nice. so I was I was hanging out with Mason and Matt was just like coming along. We were both just watching Mason destroy. <laughs> Are they both Berkeley cat? I know Matt went to Berkeley. I feel like did Mason? No, Mason. Mason didn't go to didn't go to school. <laughs> okay. Um, he, I mean, he did. Like, I think he did like stuff in high school, Probably. but but he's not. He didn't go to college. Yeah, no, he he's just enough. a. F- Fucking freak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, he seriously is. I, I forget. I'm trying to remember the first thing I ever saw of him, and I was just like, what? Yeah, what? I can't even remember where that journey started for me either, but I, I, mm-hmm. I just through meeting him, I realized, aside from the fact that he is just an absolute monster, he's also like one of the sweetest dudes. He seems he, really like a nice guy. He's so. just like a genuinely. Yeah. It's like Matt, too. Yeah, just like gen- genuinely nice dude, like really easy yeah. to talk to, very like. Mm-hmm. Very all about the music and mm-hmm. and yeah, he's just he is what he is. It comes with the instrument, I think. I very rarely do I meet monster drummers who are also just like assholes. Like right. I can't say that I've met that many. So it's like they exist, yeah. but I'm sure very, they exist. Very, very I'm definitely yeah. like yeah. not saying they don't. One now, but it's but one of those yeah. things. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I've had a chance. The, the ones I've met that have been like, you know, I was like, yeah, cool. You know, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I, I got to. I got to see. I, got to, I didn't get to meet Dennis when I saw Dennis, but yeah. you know that would he did a clinic at Third and Lindsley like my first year that I was in town. Gosh, dude, dude what the like heck? Forty five minute drum solo. Oh. Not a, not a second was I looking away. Yeah. My mouth like uh, like for all forty five minutes, and then took like thirty minutes of questions, and that was his clinic. <laughs> like that see, was it. See, that's the thing. Okay, so and I've I've thought about that a lot. And let me let me know what you think of this, Mike. I'm actually not sure how to how to communicate this, uh-huh. so I'm sorry. I'm like really really thinking about this. Yeah. 
what is it about certain players? Dennis is, is this way. Marco Miniman's this way. Mm-hmm. Like Virgil's this way. Like they can play a solo for a very long time and keep you sucked in. For me, when I watched Dennis, like I knew who he was. I think I'd heard some of the stuff that he did with like Niacin at that point. Yeah. But it was one of those things where, like I didn't know Dennis. I knew who Dennis was and all right. that stuff. But then I went and checked him out and like you you knew as. Like he's he's within the drummer category of monster. I don't know what that means what yet. That, yeah, but, I've yeah. Heard, but I've heard. Yeah, but I've heard. Yeah. And then I got to like I used to listen to the Mike and Mike podcast all the time whenever they had that. And like yeah. Mike Dawson always talked about one of his complaints about the world nowadays is everything's on video and it's cool that everything's on video, but you miss the physical. I'm in the room with this person. This person is pushing the air. Yeah. Uh, yes. In between these kits, you can like feel it, you know, like yeah. the, the the physicality of it. I think is what a lot of it is because like when I watched Virgil, his vocabulary while amazing and was never like he was repeating himself right you knew that it was Vir- I, i've watched virgil so much right you know growing yes. up that you know what virgil is but then he was like 10 times better that night than yeah. i'd ever than anything i'd ever seen of him before and right. i think a lot of it is just like i was in the room because you were there you know? yeah. exactly dude and i think it's the reality of it sets in on just a completely mm-hmm. different level you're like e- even watching a video even an hd video it's still on some level, I think it kind of feels like a really enticing fiction. Mm-hmm. Like, like, wow, this is like watching a great movie. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? And th- this character does this thing. Like, no, it's not a character in a book or in a movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a guy who can do that stuff. Yeah. And when you're in that room, you feel that power. Mm-hmm. And, and with Virgil's case, you feel how fucking hard he hits he slams man holy shit so surprised with how i was like i knew that he was a heavy hitter but like wow i i had no idea until i I was in the room i'm like i'm like i think i pretty i hit pretty hard and he was hitting (laughs) so much harder than with traditional grip i'm like that's good that's a god that's like superman we were talking about right yeah yeah, i mean one of my favorite drummers Todd's a monster man the same thing so hard with this yeah not just the four-piece drum set either oh no that's the gong drum and huge huge kids i was at work every single night one of my one i forget who it was one of my buddies at work talked about he he used to work at pearl and said that he um like he was watching um suckerman and two other dudes suckerman uh will kennedy and I forget who the third one he said, but like he said at one point, Zuckerman started doing something and Will just like got up and was like, nope, like done. I'm out. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Zuckerman was like, pulled some stuff on him, man. Like yeah. he's, he's one of those guys that I, I've always really enjoyed because it's like, he's got like vocab for days. Like, yeah. It's so and musical. Just, too. Oh, musical as hell. Yeah. yeah. There's a really good interview interview Dawson did with him once where he talked about the kid in the sticks gig. And he was like, yeah, I just started playing stuff and then played more and played more and more and more. And they were like, hey, they kept liking it or something like yeah. that. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I think that's a lot of it. Just getting enraptured in the physical, like you're in the room with this person, mm-hmm. you're getting to feel it and hear it and stuff. I, you know, it, it's such a different experience. And Yeah, I mean, we live in this, you know, so digital age where mm-hmm. everything's accessible. I, I really hope maybe a silver lining, hopefully, to the mm-hmm. pandemic of like us now wanting to be more oh. personable. To, like, I yeah. hope drum clinics don't die. I don't. I, don't, I feel like oh, we come from that world they'll, where it's they'll like never not. We're going this, to like PASIC and NAM oh, and yeah. seeing your heroes yeah. in person. Yeah, I still really need to. I want to get to PASIC. It was in PASIC yeah. in like 07. I haven't been mm-hmm. since, but I really want to get to it again. I've yeah, I think Nelson's starting been. to do drum clinics. I know Forks has done a bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and and I've honestly yeah. I've I've kicked myself. I missed Benny Greb when he was here, and I'm like, uh, ben, and Benny's one, one of my like yeah. top, pro- probably top five. Uh, I just love I love everything he plays. I love mm-hmm. 
Everything he plays, you know, yeah, yeah, that was a per- perfect choice. Yeah. Great, great, and perfect feel. Yep, good job. And did you ever check out his art and science of groove? I have like bits and pieces of it, but I have to. I like I need to dig into those books. Those get, are books. Get that, that DVD, I need to dig man, in. because there's he's ta- he talks about subdivisions, mm-hmm. and he's like, here's why I'm studying. So he goes in. He's like, obviously eighths, tri- triplets, sixteenths. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here's why you want to understand these things because even when you're not playing them it deepens your understanding of the space in the bar right and it makes you it makes your feel makes your pocket tighter and deeper and he proceeds to play there's there's suddenly this 16th note shaker backtrack and this mofo plays quarter notes And it is the most compelling thing I have ever heard. I was like, he just won. He won at drumming because that was perfect. It could not have been better. Like, so if you play the, the, the most basic thing better than anyone has ever played it, you win. You win. Amen. That reminds me of speaking of, because I used to work for PIS and PASIC. Yeah. That's where I first saw Matt Garska. Oh, man. What year was that? 2015, I want to say? That solo from the 15 pet. He's like, here's my quarter note at like 60. And he starts very slow and basic. Oh, my gosh. He just just warps it and just. Warps it to like. But he always finds the one. Like, he's always always there. Doing stuff in nines at some point. Yeah. Like, it's like, I think, I don't know. I'll still bring that up and watch that every now and then. There's another one that's really good. The, I think it's either it's either 16 or maybe a year or that, but uh, Juliana's solo from Pasic, the year that he did it, yeah. just shows up with like a three piece and two big rides and a hi hat and <laughs> plays like the plays like the most intense stuff, but at like a whisper. It is insane. Yeah. I, that dude, that's like like if anybody's like my big drumming hero anymore, it's him, man. Yeah. I I have like 100 percent agree. Go, yeah. Like I don't know how he Juliana's also in my top five. <sighs> you're, you're yeah. Dude, Julie, Reading my yeah. mail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, going to your house, stealing yeah. your mailbox. <laughs> I was going to ask you next of who are your your drumming heroes, so past I, or present. So I, the guy that got me started, I was playing piano in like second and third grade a little bit, and then like my cousins gave me their old Ludwig snare in like fifth grade, I think it was, and I was like pattering around and I didn't really dig it, and I was trying staying up late trying to catch Midnight Run. Yeah, you know, Nate knows what's up with some Midnight Run. That's, that's what's up. Baby. And I would like flip between MTV and Midnight Cartoon. Run. Yep, and I'd like flip between MTV and Cartoon Network. And the video for Stellar by Incubus came on. Dude, it's one of my favorite and, songs. Yeah, yep. and that was the first time that I was like, "What is that? What's the guy in the back doing? That's really cool." Yeah. Um, and I, he's probably one of my first big influence or like hero, Jose Pasillas. Mm-hmm. I, dude, that dude, I like. I love his playing. Like yeah. he has some of the coolest ways that just thinking about that song, eights in the hat and a quarter, a quarter note. He's doing that. He's doing that. Like just like yeah. doing like that old Motown. Like yeah. But the bait. Right. But his like kick. He's not. He's following the bass with the kick. So mm-hmm. it's like uh, doing like all that offbeat stuff yeah. with the kick at the same I love time. That too, right? And like splashing at different little points. Because I joke about having certain records, the parts of certain records burned into my brain. Yeah. And yeah. Morning View is like burned into. There's like a yeah. portion in my brain where the drum parts <laughs> from Morning View were just like burned in there. Yep. If I were um, to if I were to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, dude, that that, one, that that made me happy. You guys just tapped the exact same tempo. <laughs> well, when, when as we should when that riff comes in, mm-hmm. I'm like. Uh, I know that this groove is about to knock my teeth out. Is that the, 
what's the other one? Uh, the bridge is him doing quarters in the quarters on the ride. He's going like, dun, 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 dun. he's like one handing this stuff through like the octobands. Yeah. Um, the little bell chimes in fucking wish you were here. Yeah. Like, yeah, man, all that stuff. I, I love so good. Like, good. He's so good. Such, such an underrated criminally underrated player. True. Um, I love his stuff. He was yeah. the first guy that really got me into stuff. He was the cover artist of the first modern drummer magazine I ever bought. Nice. And I'll, I'll never, like, that's... So, in a way, even though he wasn't directly one of my mm-hmm. he, biggest heroes, I will never mm-hmm. forget, like, he is an important mm-hmm. part. Because I was like, oh, there's a whole magazine for drummers? And I think mm-hmm. my mom got it for me. I was like, oh, how cool. And I I still have that magazine. Nice. I wore that thing nice. out, man. Nice. Just looking at the page. Drumming on the pages, I'm like I have a big this pile. Of, oh, I have a big pile of back issues of Modern Drummer in my house. I'll have to go through and see if I have that one. But yeah, Jose was the first guy, uh, and then I started like playing and getting into a lot of stuff when that like indie rock, garage rock revival happened, and yeah. that stuff was I kind of like that. I didn't. I liked. I played to that stuff and I liked to listen to it, but nobody, none of the drummers really stuck out. Uh, and then at some point, I forget when, but I have an I have an older sister. When I found out about drums, she was like, "Oh, you should check out the Roots and stuff." Yes. Questlove <laughs> is probably one of my other big heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carter Beaufort, definitely. She yeah. was a big Dave Matthews fan. I got into Dave Matthews. He was the first guy that I was like, "Oh, whoa, what's this? Like, this yeah. is crazy." Um, I, dude, I've t- I remember the process of like taking apart some of his fills <laughs> and like like the intro fill to uh, Gray Street, yeah, and. Uh, that fill he does in what would you say? Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. what is that? I remember Even the first like, first time I heard that I was, when I was a kid. I was like, that like yeah. fucked my brain. And he does all, he like ghost he does all the like hi hat ghosting. Like, oh, yeah. He like he'll be riding so on the ride and then like he's just like let me do all of this like ghost note stuff on the hi hat. Yeah. At the same time, like I didn't get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Carter's for, yeah. fantastic. And I yeah and I like that's like probably like that's up through high school. And his and, honestly, his his sense of time is so ridiculous. I mm-hmm. uh, again, like a like American baby. Anybody who's never heard the record version of that, I'm like, I feel for you because the uh, radio version did got rid of the whole ending with oh, his yeah. like ridiculous drum solo. Have you ever heard that? No, I'm looking at you like I haven't heard. Oh, it. dude, to pop it on sometime. Well, it's worth a, it. After we're done with this, I'm gonna I'm gonna put yeah. it on because he does this he does this solo, and if you're not counting. If you're not, if you're just like kind of like listening passively, you will not know where one is. I've got to see them a couple times live. They are f- sort of from around that area, like the West Virginia, North and Northern Virginia. They're really popular around there, so I got to see them uh, see them a couple times. Got through high school, tenth grades when I first heard the Mars Volta, and then that's oh, whenever that's yeah. probably what hearing John Theodore is what was like uh, drums. Jose was like, I like drums. I'm gonna play some drums. John was like, This is it. I want to do this, and then how do I do this? Yeah, <laughs> and specifically like, this. Specifically, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> specifically this. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> dude, 
Dude, so many of those. That 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 first record that he played with them, Delouse. There's so many oh. incredible parts. I, I'm partial to Francis of the two of the three that he did with them. Yeah. The opening track on the second Mars Volta record, the guitar solo is a mixed meter of nine eight six and four nine eight six yep. four four four, and he builds over the course of this guitar solo from just doing the groove on hi hat to like full on out like beast moding it by the end of the whole thing and what the build that he does are just like oh love it. <laughs> August of that transition, going from a small small town with 3,900 to <laughs> what, what made you decide on Belmont and uh, why, why Nashville? Man, I had gotten through about half of freshman year. It was one of those, like, you know, talking to my parents about stuff, and they were like, you don't seem like you're you're happy. Like, you don't mm-hmm. seem like you're doing what you want to be doing. You seem a little bit lost, a little bit listless like right now. Like, what do you, you, what do you want to do? And I was like, I think at that, I mean, I'd done a semester of school, and I was like, you know, I don't really have the patience for teaching. The therapy stuff would be cool, but at that time, this is 2007, you know, 2008, so music therapy is not the thing that it is now. Yep. Um, you know, it was pretty much at that at that time at the school basically kind of felt like if I don't get an ed degree here, I should probably try and get a degree in something else. And so there's really no like, guaranteed job with the music therapy at that point? Yeah, at that or point. Like, trajectory? Yeah, trajectory and stuff like that. There wasn't really a guaranteed thing with it. Yeah. So I was kind of like, I don't know. I want to play. I know that much. So mm. how do I facilitate that? I think Belmont got on my radar because like when I was in seventh grade, one of our high school seniors was going as like a songwriting major and mentioned it. And so I'd like heard of the school before. <laughs> and then what really did it was I, I went to Doc one day and he was like, well, if you want to get out of here, if you have any inkling to get out of this, out of town to go do this, do it. Because if you don't, like you'll get stuck. And so I was like, okay, cool. So maybe not stuff around here. Let me go look and see. And it ended up being like Berkeley. Texas, Belmont were the three that kind of ended up. Mm-hmm. And I looked up and I was looking up who and I had like called Doc and he asked who was teaching at Belmont at the time. And it's still really funny. And I was like, well, there's – he said, well, there's like Zorro and Todd London, you know, Dorico, you're watching – Chester Thompson. Chester Thompson. <laughs> Chester. Yep. He's, he teaches there? And I was like, yep. yeah. He's like, do you know who Chester Thompson is? I don't know. I was like, no, not really. I was like, a high, I'm in high school. I yeah, right. Know shit. I was like, I, I was let like, me tell you, young like, man. He's like, go there. He basically was like, go there. <laughs> like, why are you still here? Yeah, that's essentially as far what it was. As yeah. 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 He was literally like, if he's like, go there because like, if you think he's like, if you think you can get out here, go. And it, he's like, Chester's teaching there, so go there. If you've played for Frank Zappa and Phil Collins, oh, man, then you're the man, dude. Mm-hmm. One of the most intimidate. Like, he is intimidating but he's like also one of the nicest people you've ever met it's just he's kind of quiet yeah um but yeah that he that, came into forks one time when i was there and i was they were like oh hey chester and i was like <laughs> i should not even look I'm just, at you you know, oh. you know so i i got into the school and then found out like i like made like an audition video for school had like just the decent enough crates to squeak in so essentially sight unseen decided to go to belmont to go to nashville through through the grace and kindness and incredible support and love of my parents was able to do so. I moved here in August of 2008, moved into the transfer dorms, and immediately felt like I have no fucking business being here. As <laughs> like like as soon as I got here, um, it was it's it was insane. Um, from a just a skill level, yeah. Just, from a skill level, yeah. from like like a, I felt like from a skill level, I was like 
no business being here. Uh, so just like which, a, which program did you get into? It was it was the music performance degree. Or? Yes, yeah. I, I studied. Yeah, I, I ended up just wanting. I was like, I just want to play. So I think I'll just go for performance. I, I looked it over at that time. I was like, I have no interest in doing composition. I really don't want to write. I already knew I didn't want to teach. And I guess I, I didn't totally get what the tech emphasis was. You think about if you'd gone back, maybe I'd have gone back and done a tech yeah. emphasis if we I was all there. Have those, you know, if, if I did this or yeah, maybe if I know. understood DAWs a little bit better, it'd be yeah. a little easier for me now. Yeah. But at the same time, like <laughs> dude, you're. You're, man, I I was again to to harken back to what you were talking about earlier. I'm like, what? I was watching a Garska clinic. Uh, this was this morning. Mm-hmm. It was la- probably last night and this morning. And he was talking about how incredibly relevant for him it is to be like Daw literate. Yes. Like he's like he's like if you're not if that's not something that's not where you're at currently go. Get at that get like there, right, yeah. right away. Anyway, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to totally uh, distract from what you're oh, saying. You're but, good. You're yeah. good. Yeah, but that's it. Is like I've never touched logic. I'd never like my. I had like a friend, friend, friend with Ben's band with friends. <laughs> yeah. talk today. I had like you know I had like a high school band that we recorded stuff with, but somebody else handled all that stuff. Because it's like, funny oh, because mm-hmm. our our group chat is called Drum Friends. Friends. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. True. That's why I'll have to add an and to it at some point yeah. here. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you, you'd like it. It's it's a good one. How much does it cost to get in? Uh, <laughs> tree fitty. <laughs> That'd be about tree fitty. Tree fitty. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And you had a lot of Belmont kids who like were coming from family or acquaintances or friends that already were in the industry, or they these these are people who'd been kids who were my age but hadn't been doing it for either like longer than I had or like had a like a better skill level as, uh, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just like just imposter syndrome hit hard and oh, sure. anxiety hit really hard. Also, I think a lot of it was just moving from, you know, 3000 people to stoplight town to like five minutes from downtown Broadway, Nashville yeah, was a, a adjustment. huge adjustment. I was living on campus at the time. I didn't have a car the first couple of years I was here. So I would like walk anywhere if I had to go anywhere. And, it, you know, I didn't really know anyone here at the time either. I, I like like I definitely struggled like the first couple years and like school itself like other than just being hard to be you know to study music it was just kind of hard because it was like fighting that anxiety of like i just don't really think that i'm good enough to be here you know like there was just a lot of that kind of stuff like i I really struggled with a lot of that uh while i was yeah while i was in school looking back at that now like what kind of helped push you through that maybe other students or friends you end up maybe the teachers themselves the teachers for me were a lot of a were like a really good place for a lot of that um the first year that I was there, it was really helped. Chester was the first instructor I had, and I had was I took a full year with him because um, they kind of let you pick and choose. Like you can do full two semesters to someone, you can do one with someone else and one with the other. And Chester, as I was kind of hoping was going to happen, he essentially like just like destroyed me as a drummer and then built me back up into, <laughs> into a better one, you yeah. know, essentially. Yeah. And I think having that initially was really good because if I didn't have that, then I probably would have like. I don't know, probably would have been worse. I would have felt, you know, if it didn't have somebody like that to, to really kind of dig in. Cause it was like, I mean, like first lesson I sat down and, um, he was like, where are your earplugs? Why don't you have this? Do you have, why aren't you recording yourself? You're leaning while you're playing. You're leaning to the left whenever you go to play your hi hat. Like, like it was like just tearing you down. Oh. Hardcore. And I'm like, oh man. And like, and like, I love that though. Yeah. Like yeah. hard. He was like, he was like kind of hardcore. But then it was like, here's this yeah. thing. Then he would give, he would give you these exercises that were like complete, like that weren't necessarily like brain bendy, but were just the, the one that always sticks with me is he would have me do ride time, but straight 16ths instead of swung. Yeah. So you're doing like, 
in your, in your right hand, yeah. keeping, you know, left foot, left foot, high hat, you know, and then you're moving through the subdivisions of a four bar phrase uh, in groupings of three, if that makes sense. So like okay. you're doing like 16th note, like four groups of 16th, splitting them in groups of three between your left hand and your right foot. Like, okay. Oh, and then, then you mm-hmm. take a check pattern and then you go, you start on the E. So you start on the one and do that. And then you start in the E and then you do that. Then you start in the and and you do that. And then you start in the uh and then you do that. And then after you get through that cycle, uh, flip. So your left hand's doing right time. Your right hand's on the snare. Um, and then he would have you flip it like alternate. So you're going to start with your foot and then you're going to go to your hands. So you're doing it right foot, right hand. You know, you know, he had one that was like, that was paradiddles in the hands, uh, starting on the snare, going around the kit, but underneath you're going with your feet. You know, right foot's doing oh, and then your left foot's doing you do two and four on the left when your left foot, yeah, underneath stuff like that. You know, really stuff that really just kind of breaks down. Like here's how you move around a kit, here's how you do subdivisions and groupings of things. You know, and then he took a lot of those same things and we did those with like jazz stuff. So he would have you do like alternating hands and feet between like triplets, alternating with your hand and foot. You know, while you're doing ride time and stuff like that. So just like. Stuff that was like compared to what I'd been doing before, but at the same time, like I think that I needed someone to be like, here's just something that you need to. Here's like, if you don't work on this, if you don't shed this, Chester will be very disappointed in your next lesson. So let's make sure that we have <laughs> yeah. this together. You know, I yeah. think if I didn't have someone that was like pushing me like that initially, yeah. I think it would have yeah. been a lot hard. I would harder. Um, I've all I, uh, I need that. You know, I, I need. I want someone like that in my life now. I need to find somebody. Mm-hmm. Who I can, who can come in and do that thing for me and be like, all right, I, 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 I have to go into into a very specific domain, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 find somebody that's yeah. like, okay, yeah. this is this is the thing, the the area you want to grow mm-hmm. in. Okay, well, if you're serious about that, here's what you do. Yeah. And if you if you don't come back next week and you can do it, then. <laughs> Get get yeah. the fuck out of my face. Yeah. And he was never like, and it was never me. I never felt like he was being mean. Yeah. I never felt like he was being like too much or anything. No. It just felt like this is what you need to matter do. Matter of fact. Matter of fact. This is just, he's a very, he's a, yeah, I guess that's, he's a very matter of fact person. Like you mm-hmm. just need to do this. I love that. You know? The thing that bothers me is uh, I, I've, I'm a person that loves, to, I'm like, I'm always seeking to, to grow. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I'll ask players that I look up to mm-hmm. and I think have are better than me in some respect and I'll go I'm like what should I work on and they'll be like oh no you sound good bro and I go it's like that's the one I asked <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah I did, yeah exactly I'm yeah. like I didn't I didn't ask that it's like that what we were talking about before the mics are on like remember when I said please put the mac sauce on my burger mm-hmm. Why did you put it in a box, in a chicken nugget box? <laughs> I didn't ask that. I didn't ask if I mm-hmm. sound good. I asked, what would you work on mm-hmm. if you were me? Mm-hmm. What should I work on? Do yeah. what Nate asks. Yeah, please mm-hmm. answer the question that I'm asking. Yeah. Like, Because you're not going to hurt my feelings. It'll, it might hurt my feelings or even maybe piss me off mm-hmm. if you don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. You're not helping me. Yeah, if you're just, yeah, it's like a, you know, and, and being able to, have that space you know towards the end of the lessons you eventually got like you got this stuff together you're you're better than you think you are just like slow down a little bit and breathe yeah. for a second and like mm. rest in the you know kind of rest in those things and that has been a lesson a life lesson that i have still been struggling with just slowing down a little bit and yeah. trusting myself a little bit more mm. yeah um so that's something that like having him initially was very good for that i think the next year i started i was like i i wanted to try and take from as many people as i could so the next year i took i started with zorro that second year and it was literally four months of nothing but 16th note two-handed hi-hat grooves. Hmm. Just 
Wow. That's it. That's like all we're going to work on. You're going to, your jury piece this year is going to be Jupiter by Earth, Wind and Fire. Um, so you're going to learn that song and play it down. It was a great song. Um, I love that band. They're, I think yeah. they I think my dad's favorite band is Earth, Wind and Fire. So I like got that from him, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but that was cool because it was like, I'd never really had anybody deep dive anything. Like, mm-hmm. like how do you learning how to deep dive and figure that stuff out helped me most recently with some stuff with like some of the more recent flummox stuff, like on the last record and stuff we're writing now, there's been a lot of it that, uh, has like essentially blast beats in it and like sort of that kind of stuff. And yeah. never in my life have I, did I ever think that I would have to, or want to learn how to figure that out and stuff like that. But says every blast beat drummer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like after, but like I, I didn't like, if I didn't know how to like sit and figure out, okay, for every one foot, there is two hands. That's how it grooves essentially. At least that was how I figured it out yeah. is like, cause I could, I listen to that stuff before and I'm just like, it doesn't groove. Like, I, I can't hear the groove, you know, you're like, I can't hear, I can't, I, I guess this is what works for these parts, but I can't hear how, yeah, like why. how this works and why this works. I got really into Kralis, uh, this band Kralis from like New York and it's like a, they're like a progressive black metal kind of thing that, yeah. uh, and like all their songs are like 12 minutes long and it's like 12 minutes of blasting <laughs> and stuff and this dude's doing it yep. and like, and you're just like, how, how does this work? <laughs> um, Zorro was really good for that, being able to like pinpoint something and just nail it and really get down deep into something really in the grittiness of it. That was really, I think that helped too. Uh, and then after that, the rest of my time while I was at Belmont, I studied with Todd London. Uh, he was like a Berkeley ed grad. Um, he does session guy in and around town was an instructor at Belmont. One of the greatest percussionists I've ever seen. That guy is a motherfucker on steel pan that dude can play his ass off. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but he started me on future sounds, which is like, the other Bible that we have as drummers. Got it right Um, over there. (laughs) It's such such a good book. I love that book. Future Sounds. And then he also was like, well, what else do you want to work on? And I was going through a lot of Fela at that time. I was a big fan of Tony Allen's playing stuff. And I was like, well, I kind of wanted to check out some like African or like West African drumming stuff. So we got into a little bit of that too. But then honestly, his biggest, the biggest thing that he taught me was like life, essentially. During the time that I was with him was whenever I was doing my like junior and senior recitals. So it was like how to be a band manager, how to like put an ensemble together, how to pick repertoire how to prepare that repertoire for people how to run a rehearsal with people everything to, you know, else right all of Besides the, yeah. the lefts and rights yeah all of that stuff that like they don't teach you in, in a lot of those classes and stuff at school mm-hmm. that's like very integral to maintaining an ensemble around the time that i started working with him was uh, i had my mother had had a stroke in like 09 mm-hmm. and so i was also kind of dealing with the like weird dichotomy of like here i am in this state in nashville doing the thing that i'm supposed to be doing or feel like i'm supposed to be doing when all i really want to do is just be at home taking care of my mother Right. Um, and how to like how to balance work life balance of like the micro of the day to day of it, and you know how like make sure you're practicing and also you know making sure you have a, a way to feed yourself. And he kind of helped taught me how to like figure those balances out. In addition to also like the macro of it of like how do you deal with like the big existential stuff that comes with this this instrument dealing yeah. with this industry dealing with bands and stuff like that with people like a lot of that stuff I, I struggled with. And so I think that he was a really good place for me to find out and learn about a lot of that stuff i i really 
I always like it was always weird because everybody at school was always like, "Oh, do we go Chester?" And I'm like, "Dude, Todd, guys, guys, Todd." Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, wow. But yeah, no, he's yeah. I I like all three all three of those guys. I never got to study with Dorico, which I forever kick myself for because I really wish that I had while I was there. But he just moved back, so I'm probably going to try and book some lessons with him. I think at some point he might be someone you want to look into going with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bo- Bowman has said the same thing mm-hmm. to me. Our friend Bowman. Mm-hmm. Uh, studied with Dorico and he was like, yeah, Dorico's, yeah. Dorico's amazing. The students that I was with too, like I, I had, you know, I made some good friends. I think just being around people who were also making music and were also trying to study it and were also kind of going through the same shit that I was going through a lot of the time, like that was also really helpful. You definitely get like a sense of loneliness sometimes whenever mm-hmm. you're in these big cities and stuff and having that, I definitely had like some issues with like loneliness and sort of feeling like it's just me, I'm all alone, da 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 and stuff yeah, here. We all have that to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. from the from like the moving stuff like that, I think also like as far as like a wheelhouse thing for me, like I got into town and like I think at that point most everybody wanted to either be like a Delta Swamp band or sound like Kings of Leon. Uh, and yep. I just was like, ah, but I like Valve Troy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Why doesn't anybody want to do that? So you had, Thomas Rack um, lived here for like five minutes. Yeah. Oh, did he really? Yeah. 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 He keeps saying he's going to move back, but I don't know. Dude, I've been in a weird metal cake lately, which mm-hmm. has been awesome. Who, who you been I mean, like yeah, you Animals as Leaders. Mm. Uh, you remember Texas in July? Yeah. Adam Gray? Like, yeah. Um, I think they're back. I, oh, I was nice. watching like a video. It was like their last gig or whatever. But then okay. I thought I saw something recently with like a big Firth feature or something. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think they're back. But yeah, I've just been listening to all those kind of older. Nice. You said yeah. you listen to a lot of animals right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not a whole lot. But yeah. Physical but... education. And and like the, the I, new stuff. I almost man. like, I mean, they are metal I can't play any of that. I just, I love it. I I'll, respect it. And... I almost don't even put them in the metal category right now because like people who don't like metal at all are still like, well. <laughs> I listen to animals. It's it's so insane. I'm trying to think. My, as far as heavy, yeah, I didn't really get into heavy stuff until like the tail end of high school, into early college. Just like I, as my top three back then were, I was a big Dillinger kid uh, and a big Meshuggah kid and then a big Mastodon kid then too. What's your your favorite Dillinger album? Dude, this is hard. So this is hard because I have a soft spot for Miss Machine. Because that's the one that, like, that was the first one that I heard. That's the one that has Sunshine on, Werewolf on it. That was the first Dillinger song I ever heard. Chris is, like, an, another criminally underrated drummer, I it think. Is. Not enough people talk about Chris, I think. He, the fact that he basically developed that language. Yeah. Like, I cannot think of a drummer that was doing stuff that, like, he was doing before he was doing it. Even on, like, Calculating Infinity Era stuff. Like, those yeah. first two records are some of the most... It's, it's true. Some of the most mind-blowing drumming that you ever hear. And you think, like, how many, like, spazcore style of those kind of bands exist now? And, like, none of them would ever without him, you know? Yeah, um, I love that title, too, spazcore. But, I, I, but <laughs> honestly, but, like, as much as I love that record, I I want to say the stuff with Billy might be the actual Dillinger. Like, yeah. Option Paralysis is... It's, that one yeah. is, like... One of Ooh. us is the killer. One of us is the killer is really oh, that's good. such a good album. That's a really good record. Like they have such a giant soft spot for Ironworks. Ironworks is really the songwriting on Ironworks. I think is some of their best. Like yeah. that one feels like they wrote songs. And, for, and why am I forgetting his name? Gil Sharon. Thank you, Gil. Mm-hmm. He did. He did a pretty good job on that one. That I, one is like because Chris wrote those parts. Oh, di- oh, did he? That's the story. So like the story from what I remember, I used to. F- it's dead now, but there was a Mars Volta fan forum that I was on whenever. Because they're like my favorite band. Yeah. Wait, do you know um, Blake Fleming then? I know who Blake Fleming he's is. He's my first drum teacher. Really? Original, Holy shit. Yeah. Dude, Blake from, is in college. Yeah, he's I love in, Blake. He's in Oneonta, New York still. Did you, have you checked out any of the Ladio Bolico stuff? Oh, yet? yeah, yeah. Oh, that stuff is yeah. so cool. 
There, there was just some reissue, I think. Yeah, I just they just um, reused all the stuff. They Nate, you should press. definitely check out Ladio Bolico if you okay. haven't yet. That's send, yeah. send it on over, mm-hmm. baby. Because yeah. like, yeah, similar thing to that where like Blake wrote a lot of those parts for the first couple of Volta for the first Volta record. And not many people know his it. name as much as maybe mm-hmm. some of the other guys. Yeah, but he's also kind of tried to stay kind of underground. Yeah, he's really yeah. That's his thing. But yeah, he's yeah. killing it. You know, but no, he's yeah, he's yeah. a great fucking player. I've always really dug his stuff. Yeah. Um, but. They did Miss Machine. They did Irony is a Dead Scene. And then he went and did the record with Coheed. There were some contractual things. Yeah. They kicked him out. And so they got Gil to play those parts. And Gil did a really good job. But I like Chris and I like Billy a lot more yeah. than, than Gil's stuff. But not that like Gil was bad. But I think like Miss Machine and Option are probably my favorites with the Dillinger. I think my favorite Meshuggah record is probably, this is a weird one, Alive. Uh, okay. The first live record they did. Yeah, That's like... Because, like, as cool as the studio albums are, to hear them, like, note for fucking note, perfect, pull that shit off. Yeah. Live is, like, <laughs> I also, here's something that I, I hated when I first heard it, but mm-hmm. I kind of love for what it represents about them, mm-hmm. is that every song starts the exact same way yep. on that. <laughs> Four hi-hat counts and in. Go. And that's, yep. that's mm-hmm. what we're doing for every song. <laughs> yep. Like, and you're like, well, come up, come up with something original. No, nope. we're Meshuga. We already came up with something original. We already did the original the, thing. The entire thing we do is original. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fuck off. They're yeah. dude, they're so good. They're so good. Yeah, no, they're they're great. I got to see them both times. They've come to Nashville. I have seen them incredible. zero times, and I'm a giant dipshit for <laughs> having missed <laughs> the, them here. The first one, they had High on Fire open for them the first time, which was cool, but then Black Dahlia was open for them the second time they came <sighs> through. And that was, that was a crazy, crazy, that was a crazy show. They were really solid live. Rest in peace. We if you're looking for other good heavy metal, uh, Imperial Triumphant. That is Kenny's. That's Kenny's yeah, band. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, isn't that Kenny? <laughs> yeah, that's Kenny's Kenny. band. <laughs> I ever talked to you about Kenny, Dan? I don't think so. Kenny Grahowski? <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you a story. Jeez. I went to I went to the NAM show. I've been to uh, Anaheim NAM a whole host of times. But yeah. one of the years I went, I went to Bass Bash. And uh, actually, one year I played at Bass Bash, but that, nice. that's, a di- that's a different thing. Yeah. Um, I was watching... Obviously, they have these great bass players play. And with great bass players at Bass Bash, they're obviously going to want fantastic drummers. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so... They got the most fantastic one when they got Kenny. (laughs) Yeah, well, so first, first, I come in the room and it's Gergo Borlai. And he's just just destroying it. I always forget about that guy. Oh, dude, I I forget about him and then I watch him play. I'm like, like, how? Oh, yeah. yeah. How did I forget? Because he's he's good at everything. His ideas are fantastic. He's super tasteful, yeah. and his technique is flawless. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's a yeah. He's he a does that monster. Zappa. Was it an eleven that cover? Mm-hmm. Oh, nine, the nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. T- or that's the that is the keep it greasy solo. Yes. 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 Yeah. And then one of my actually one actually one of my favorite Zappa guitar solos as well is in that section on the Joe's Garage recording. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Um. But okay, then so he's obviously fantastic, and then after him, freaking Damian Schmidt gets Oof. gets up and just crushes it. And if you you, you like Damian, I don't know him. Fr- this French dude, this skinny little French dude that yeah. hits way way above his weight class. He's so loud. He hits so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Damian's uh, great. And he's just chops for days. Incredible groove. 
Um, just funky as all get out. Ridiculous. And then, then Felix Pistorius gets up there and this scraggly looking dude gets up there behind the kit that I don't recognize at all. Never seen him before. Mm-hmm. And this guy tore the house down. It literally was like, oh, that that's cool. These other guys have two or three ideas. <laughs> and I've got 50,000 yeah, ideas. Yeah. So this and, is Kenny? Yes. Kenny's, Kenny's yeah. unreal. And I was trying to like I was trying down. to understand and wrap my brain around. We didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. Somehow my buddy's last name? Grahowski. Grahowski? Mm-hmm. Somehow my, my buddy Seth figured out that it, his name was Kenny Grahowski. We found him online and then I, as I looked him up, I found video after video of him playing in completely disparate genres. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, he's, yeah. So he plays in a metal band. Oh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Oh, he also plays in a salsa band. Mm-hmm. This guy? Oh, yes, that guy. Mm-hmm. That's, Very lanky. That's yeah. the lanky, guy. Lanky. And good grief. Yeah, he just, he bent my mind. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah. yeah to to Oh, Go do a little yeah. diatribe about Kenny. No, that's fine. I figured it was going to happen. I have yeah. been that dude. Like during COVID, they put out a record called Alphaville. That with another good metal band called Fearon. They put a record out as well called Abscess Time. Those two albums kind of helped me through COVID a little bit. Yeah, like I w- we Flemix was starting to do. We're like working and doing some pre pro for the for the record we just put out. Um, and like I. I ended up getting laid off from my like day gig at the beginning of the pandemic. And then we had like all of our shows get canceled. Like two, we did like one show and they're like, cool, this is a lot. Like hopefully we'll be able to do more shows. And then everything got canceled. Um, And then similarly to sort of some stuff in college, both of my, my mother and father kind of had like some small medical injuries that made things getting around a little difficult. So it was Mm -hmm. like, I could go to be with them, but also the world is, like, I don't I have to travel through, like, six states to get there and touch a bunch of stuff, and we don't know any of these, like, yep. and th- my mother is diabetic, so she's yeah. she's immunocompromised, so I was right. like, I don't know that I want to be, like, traveling through six states to go visit her and stuff like that. Right. So I was just kind of, like, sitting around, collecting unemployment, not doing anything, and was just feeling very, like, not necessarily despondent, but it was just kind of, like, of other, uh, so many others of us that were, that are doing this are just like, man, what fucking, what's the point? Like. Yeah. Like, like, why am I sitting here doing any of this? Like, I could be doing something for someone else. Like, da da da. And I heard those rec- those records came out, and just like the drumming on them was like, just hit. I guess like, well, hearing like actual performances of drummers going for things. Yeah, kind of like made me bubble up and go like, okay, maybe there's something here, and I can like go for it. And then Intronaut did their that record that year too, and Rudy's on that one, and he did a drumio that he talked about sort of like mental health and dealing with like mental health and drumming. It's a really good one. If you, it's still on there cause he, he's doing it. Like it's like their last in studio Dromeo online lesson before they have to shut everything down in Canada. So it's like, so he's clearly talking from a place. Ru- Rudy, like Alex Rudy. Yeah. Like Alex. Wow. Rudinger. wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I didn't realize he I actually didn't I realize he played that. with them. Yeah. Wow. They, yeah. They, Danny's on everything up to fluid existential and then fluid existential is Alex. He's like, I was going through some, like a, some depression and some stuff like that. And he was like, I'm going to play this. Like, this is the last thing that I've ever done. Like, yeah. I, you know, these, yeah. these parts, I'm going to write some parts that are crazy and I'm going to learn them and I'm going to put everything into them. And you wow. listen to that record and the parts on that record are insane. Mm. I don't know how he does it. And he's like, the thing about Alex is like, those aren't samples. That's him playing those instruments. Like he hits yeah. that hard. Like, and it sounds like he does that hit freakishly um, hard. I got to like listening to Kenny and Steve and Alex play this stuff. It was like, 
You're like, this is the kind of stuff that you can do. This is the kind of stuff that I can do. Yeah, kind of reinvigorated. Yeah, just reinv- like- yeah reinvigorated yeah. some stuff. And like, I, it really helped me first to get my double bass chops up because I'd like, <laughs> there was a jo- running joke with our, with Flummox's like former and engineer that did a lot of our tracking and stuff that he used to call me brown beard because I would like, my kick feet would shuffle more than they would sound consistent at a point. Uh, and so he was like, sounds like you have a peg leg, like you're a pirate or something while you're playing double bass. Oh, <laughs> so, he rough, calling, yeah, so he started calling me Brownbeard. Uh, <laughs> Brownbeard the pirate. Wow. Um, that, no, there's nothing quite so motivating as getting a nickname that is making fun of some weakness you have. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I guess I won't have, I won't keep yeah. that around. Yeah. Right. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to fix that. And like, it, I mentioned Flummox a couple times. So to go on that tangent a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I want to get into who you're playing with and yeah, that, that's your main act now. right? Yeah. That's okay. pretty much what I've been doing. Well, since for the last like six years, that's pretty much all I've been doing is playing with them. We were getting ready to record this record that the the most recent one we did is called Reflummoxed, and it's um, uh, most of it. It's all material that's either been recorded before. They had a couple records with a few different drummers here and there before I joined. Um, I was like 16, 2016, I think it was ish. It was like when I. It's shaky because it feels like it's been forever, um, even though it's only been six years. But um, like we were getting ready to record this stuff, and it was like. Essentially, I got like carte blanche to rewrite the drums. So, so I was like, okay, I I want to be able to like if I have the option to to make these parts my own, then let's make them as much me as I can, and let's let's really go for some things. Let's go for some things that like I can so that I can get some stuff together for that. So that's like, yeah. so it kind of helped to invigorate that process because I I was before we were doing it, I was like, I don't know if I can track this guys. Like, I feel like I need a month to do this because I have no idea. Some of these songs I've never played before. We've never played them before. I've never yeah. played them before and stuff. And we were going to do it all in house. So like everything, none of us had like, really any clue what this process was going to be like when we decided to do it. So it was a very like anxiety ridden initially to get, to get it up there. So it was like hearing good music and help to kind of like heal that anxiety a little bit mm. and like push me to do what I needed to do for the thing. And since like the, like the record is seems to be doing fairly well, the singles have all gotten good play numbers. They all got distributed through different outlets, which was really cool. We have like the long ass prog rock song got, went through the prog magazine the thrashy slayer song went through you know went through revolver you know that kind of thing like so that was really cool um and it's helped because i think now it's given us like an idea of like okay the next record which we have pretty much written at this point we're like doing some arranging stuff for it still before we start pre-pro but it's like that gave us like okay this is the bar for at least where we need to be this Mm. is the bar where at least i need to be playing wise you know Mm. i this is what i got to be able to do so that when i go to the next one and I got to do all this, uh, all this other way harder shit that they all wrote. <laughs> I got to figure out parts yeah. for them because, um, like, that's the you know, Reflumix is a little bit more backbeat heavy. Like everything's a little feels like a, it's a little more groovy. It's a little more backbeaty. There's still some parts that are a little difficult and stuff. This next one is like all just all over the place. Um, there's some songs that are like we have one song that's basically like a sort of like a like an introductory Broadway show tune, uh, and we've got this other one that sort of is like we've got like the shuffly, rocky, poppy kind of thing. We've got weird, heavy things. The biggest thing that's changed in the time that I've been in the ensemble, it's grown into a five piece now. We've got a keyboardist now. Jesse Peck plays keys with us now, and we also never have, heard of him. I know. I was no. I was like, I was, I was worried that this was just going to turn into like a two-hour gush fest on Jesse. So I was trying to avoid it that as much as I can. I love that guy. <laughs> that dude is an amazing, amazing human and an amazing musician. I am forever grateful and humbled that he's in our band because he's 
is incredible. Like the the last piece on the on the album is sort of like a free improv section that we do the night that he showed me the stuff that he he's like, yeah, I took this sample and like detuned it by half step and did this thing with this and overlaid that on stuff. And then he played it for me and like goosebumps, Mm -hmm. hairs on my end, like everything stood up (laughs) on its end. It was like this like chilling. It was like he's he's incredible. Having him join the band was also kind of a spur. I was like, shit, we got somebody like this in the band now. So I gotta really be good. And we um we were a two guitar band for like the last three or four years, but just recently um Max Moberry uh, she lives in, she's really from Dayton area. She was, sub, was going to sub in for us for, for a couple shows, but ended up, she's an incredible musician, learned like the entire book in like a couple weeks and then jumped in for like one or two shows. And it was like, do you just want to like join the band now? Cause it's like, mm. um, so having at her in the process as well has made it has, as just like enlivened things too. Cause it's like, oh crap. Now there's like two really good people, three yeah. really fucking good people yeah. in the band. Um, she also has a really cool project called others by no one that if you're at all into progressive rock or progressive metal and anything yeah, you really need to check them out that's, that's, cool that's that sounds super familiar mm-hmm. too interesting I'll yeah pop, i feel like i have heard that. yeah it's kind of very similar to native construct it's got that kind of vibe to it if okay that, yeah very so, very dense um, kind of thing so did flummox was that a belmont formation or talk us through that quick story they are more of a local act i had been playing with a group of people that i met through belmont call uh, that were in like this i had like this fusion band that i was a part of when i was when i got out of school um, called Montezuma Fire Machine. Um, it was like a jammy kind of fusion, like po- we call it, I jokingly call it post-hardcore fusion. That's the best way I'd describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like a six piece and we, it was like probably my third gig with them. It was like a, it was at this place in Murfreesboro called The Grind. It was this like hole in the wall shithouse coffee shop that had like a back room smaller than this studio. And we had to show, there was a six band bill or five, ba- five or six band bill we were headlining, so we were playing last. The opener was Flummox. So they were a three-piece at this point. Okay, so they already a band. Yeah, they were established around. They kind of got started in like 2012, I guess it would have been. Okay. Um, around the time that I joined up with Montezuma. So we met. I met them at that show. I was like, hi, hey, how's it going? You know, normal show, just meet every people. And then five years go by. I go through doing um, – I, I I left Montezuma. Montezuma kind of like dissipated. That's when I started doing more of the like hired gun session work where it's, you know, somebody needs a drummer for like a weekend in Kansas or whatever, you know, I'll go learn your four hour set. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff was that was like country people. So it was very similar to kind of like Broadway, yeah. except you're doing it out on the road more so. Yeah, um, yeah. I did a little couple tours with a group called Radar versus Wolf that were out of here. The drummer that tracked all the stuff is that is... Um, Oh crap! I'm blanking on his name, but the guy plays with Avid Brothers now. Okay, yeah, 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 that guy. Um, he tracked the stuff for them, but he was with Avid's at that time, so he wasn't going to go tour with this like indie pop punk band, right? Obviously, yeah. so they I will go Un- tour with. Understandable. Them. <laughs> Have a nice day. Yeah, yeah. So I will go tour with indie pop punk yeah. band. Um, and did that for a little while, and then I was in between. Like I was working with a with a country singer named Rye Davis out of Kentucky, and he was it was like getting towards the tail end of the year, so like you know summer's over it's getting into august and september full band shows aren't as much of a thing now people are a little bit busier um i think he had like a break of some shows going on so i didn't have anything going on really and then allison messaged me out of out of the blue and was like hey we're looking for a drummer do you want to come jam allison's the lead singer and bassist of flummox yeah i was like sure i'll give it a shot check it out we go and we jam and it goes pretty and like it clicked immediately we just kind of like we all got along really well the chemistry was there um they gave me a couple songs to learn beforehand. I had learned those songs. We jammed and I was like, oh, this seems pretty cool. And then went and saw a show and was like, 
oh, okay, this is what I'm getting into. Uh, I think the thing, it's, it sounds weird, but what sold me was there was this, like, couple sitting in front of the stage, and, like, the boyfriend and the couple is, like, losing his mind and loving it, and the girlfriend is just sitting there, like, arms crossed. Like, and I was like, okay, this band is getting a reaction from people. Yes! Like, okay, I think I should probably jump into this. Like, this yeah. is what I want. Like, this is this kind of feels like something that I could get, get along with. I, yeah. I wanted to, you know, it, like, I don't care if you like it, I don't care if you hate it, at least you... But you have, like, you have feelings like, towards yeah, it. You yeah, have feeling yeah. one way or the other towards this, so this seems like something I should go for. Um, yeah, that's that's actually... Uh, you ever, ever read any Seth Godin? No, I actually haven't. He wasn't. Definitely, definitely worth checking out some of his okay. books. I'll, I'll direct you some, to yes, some great books. Yes, please do. I need uh, but, things to read. But he, Purple he ta- cow. Yes, ab- absolutely. That's one of the best okay. ones. But um, he talks about how in actually having something that's that's divisive, it can be can be actually an attraction. Like because mm-hmm. that while you do have obviously people who are shying away. People, the people that are all about it are all, all about it, and they are yeah. all about yeah. it. Like yeah. we have a Discord, and like these Zoomers are in love with this band. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, Is that something I just wanted to ask? Like when you when you're going through different gigs or choosing to, you know, I don't think you're necessarily saying yes to everything, right? But yeah, not do, too, do you yeah. like in terms of choosing between, let's say, like the musicality of a group versus mm-hmm. like that like intangible feeling, or like yeah. maybe it's it's. If some if the music isn't totally my bag, uh, I can kind of get I can kind of go get around that of like well at least I'm like they need a drummer, I'm a good enough drummer that I can provide this provide a a stable foundation for that I can keep time I can hold a groove like you know this yeah. is things I can do you know and clearly something I've clearly something about me has sparked it to where they want me to play for them so cool I, I have that opportunity yeah, that's very of course humbling. we need the paycheck so it's yeah, like you need the paycheck do those gigs and yeah, yeah you do those gigs that. and stuff um you know and not to say and i i sometimes i always feel bad when i say kind of stuff like that because it feels like it diminishes the the experiences so, like i still had fun while i was playing sure. the shows yeah. were great the people yeah. that uh, the people enjoyed it you know yeah even though some stuff is more for money than it is for other stuff that doesn't mean that like you can't enjoy yourself and yeah. have fun and stuff and yeah, i still absolutely. did yeah. um and i think and i, I think it doesn't a lot of people that you will play with in those in those circumstances are aware that they're not necessarily your cup of tea. Yeah. Like, oh, like, oh, you're into the, this kind of stuff. Right on. They're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the same thing. I was I played for a little bit with this guy named Matt Stell, mm-hmm. uh, and he, he had he he knew the kind of stuff that I was into. He's like, yeah. he goes, you'll probably be real bored doing this, and I ended up not being able to continue. Uh-huh. I just was. There was too much happening in my life at the time. I was like, mm-hmm. "Hey, can you do can you do this in this show?" I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry, I really can't." And he, since then, his music just blew up. Mm-hmm. But I was like, "Hey, more power to you, yeah. He's an yeah. awesome dude." But he was totally aware. Oh yeah, of, of yeah, what none, you're yeah. Like, not, he was he, no illusions of like he's like, "Oh, you're like a fusion and progressive music guy." And yeah, he's like, "This is going to be very very simple, probably boring for you." I'm yeah, like, hey, I'm like, um, fun, but yeah. And the the bands that I've done, I we I had like a I had a college that that's been more so like the people that I'm with, we vibe well and we make music together and it's we have fun. That's kind of like either I'm going to die and stop playing drums or I'm going to stop having fun doing it. And I'm going to stop playing mm. drums. That's the yeah. only other thing I can think of that would make me stop playing. It's like if someday something happens where I'm like, this isn't fun anymore, then yeah. I then like. You shouldn't play this instrument. I, I that's like a, maybe like a weird caveat for no, me. I, I love that. But I genuinely, yeah. that's genuinely like, how can you not have fun making loud noise, hitting things, yeah. dude? Like for real, like for like come and on, and with your friends, so, and like so your like, friends and stuff like that. Fun mix. Do you really see it more of like a family? I mean, you yeah. guys are a tight oh, knit group. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Uh, it takes a little bit to get there. Your, your stuff can get awkward. Your stuff is awkward initially, but yeah. like I. 
I've been going through somewhat of a recovery program, uh, not like a, anything official, but I am I consider myself in recovery uh, mm. from alcohol, from alcoholism. Okay. Um, so like they've been an incredible support in that area. Um, they've been really kind and helpful in a lot of ways with uh, some life situations that have been going on, and I've always they've always been there for me when things have been difficult. Um, it sounds weird, but like the music that we make together, the thing that the five of us make together is to me, at least I feel so much of a, so much of a love for it, that it's like, even if things get difficult with these people, I'd still rather be around them to make, to have the option to make that than, than not. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, kind of goes back to like the music therapy thing, maybe yeah, for you, just you know, like it always as a way oh, of healing. Yeah. It's, I think there's always a certain level of therapy with this. I mean, it's a, the, the art form in and of itself requires emotional, some symbols of emotion on your part to be able to to do it you know yeah. you, i i had to i had to like the drums and lo- and want to play them before i ever did you know and that's all that's that's what's gotten me to here so far it's like being able to want like that that joy and wanting to play them and stuff you know i can think of the number of times where i've had a shitty day and gone and sat down and played and everything feels better right yeah. or you know you're having a you're having a great day and you're like man i just feel like playing and you, you go play and stuff um it just yeah i guess you know it's it's that's like the hard rub of this thing for me and with is because it is such a business it's a business on one hand and stuff but it's this business based around this like skill set that is also a, like very much tied to subjective emotional experience you know like mm-hmm. it's 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 just it's just it's it's weird for me it is definitely like I, I do this because I, I have fun. I always joke that the, the reason that I have to cart loading this thing in, in and out is like the, is the payment that yeah. you have for having the most fun on stage. Like, yeah. You know, I get to have the most fun it's on stage. You know, the only thing I have to, the, the crappy part of my gig is that I have to set up and tear down the kit every time. It's true. You know, everything else is a, is a breeze. I love it. You know, yeah. it's great. Um, but, uh, and like flummox for, a lot of for like the band that we are um in in the symbols of sort of like the point on service like a lot of our fans are necessarily maybe not maybe don't look like us in a lot of like us in a lot of ways aren't like us in a lot of ways maybe don't and because of that don't have you know maybe access to the same ways of like getting out and having a good time that we would and so we're able to create some like a safe space for that is a safe space is such a buzz and divisive thing but it like I don't necessarily get the vibe from the band that we give a shit what you look like or, you know, in any real way, shape or form when you come to our shows. We just care yeah. that you want to you want to show up and have fun and enjoy us or or be willing to have us make you feel uncomfortable or, or to confuse <laughs> yeah. you or to flummox you, as I guess it would go flummox, along with it. That is that pun. safe space. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean, but. About, about that connotation with those words, but that really is what it is. You know? Yeah. You know, it's it's just, you know, we were at a show and like. I forget what we were playing. I think Cosmic Charlie's and it was something where like, yeah, I just remember feeling, I was like, wow, this crowd like doesn't look like any other crowd that I've ever played for on Broadway, but they're all having the the same amount of fun as those people on Broadway. And I'm glad that I was able to bring that experience for them because of our stuff, because of the music we make, you know, um, it's, I would I would venture that they're having more fun than the people on Broadway. Probably. I mean, yeah. You know, (laughs) people on Broadway, I think, well, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like a shallower fun. Fun. I'll, tell, yeah. I'll tell you this. It's different now yeah. than it was when I started. Like, yes. uh, the complete, like, I know um, Jed was saying stuff about, like, parking down on Broadway and stuff. And yeah. I, I I haven't done a ton. I did a little bit of Broadway pre-COVID. And that was, like, a Thursday night, 10 to 2 at National Underground where you're pretty, where, you're like, your base pay was 35, but we'll give you a plate and two drinks as well. And you cool. maybe walk away with 75 that night. Maybe. You know, one of those kind of things yeah. versus, like, gosh. 
I had a slow Tuesday. I subbed in for Drew uh, Tuesday, and they were like, "Oh, it's super," and it was like a super slow Tuesday. And I walked away with like two hundred, and I was like, "What the? Mm. What the fuck is this? This yeah. was nowhere." What it was, and yeah. like, where was this? Where back was then? this back then? Yeah. You know, I, I and I didn't have to play a single country song nope. that night. I was like, "Where am I?" I was at Johnny yeah. Cash's, and we didn't. We like, I subbed. I subbed in on the April twenty April sixteenth for him too, and we played one Johnny Cash song at the Johnny Cash bar. Yeah. And I was like, "This is weird." <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, yeah. I'll, I love playing there because you you know you're walking away. At, you, if there's no one there, you're <laughs> still walking away with good money. Like, yeah, great, cool. Yeah, the money was. In, I was. I was the Saturday we played. Garth Brooks is in town, and like we finished and we got our money. And then a couple of people in the room was like, "Ah, oh, slow Saturday." I was like, "This is a slow Saturday to you? Like, <laughs> holy shit!" Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's and like you know, it used to be you get your 30 bucks and you, or you get called for a gig and it's like, do you like how many Merle Haggard songs do you know? And it's like, well, two, like, you know, or, you know, or like the, those, I know the one about where his mama tried. Mm -hmm. I know his mom tried. (laughs) He's going to stay here and drink. That's about it. But like the, just, and like the, the vibe, like the vibe feels like, it sounds weird to say the vibe feels a little more fun down there, but like, even as a player, like, yeah, I definitely, there were some songs on Tuesday that I just like, I butchered, I butchered Kickstart My Heart on Tuesday, mm. straight up. That intro, dope as hell, but oh. I butchered that intro. Oh, bro. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're, yeah, if you're not locked in on that intro, like, you're like, wait, where's the one exactly? Dude, it's I can't so, remember. I was like, this is, I was like, this is dope as hell. And then I tried to play, I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, but like, it, it blew my mind that like I was given a list of near nearly two hundred songs, and like two thirds of it was like stuff that I've heard on the radio, like or like heard growing up, as opposed to like getting a list of like forty, and it's like all just old school country that I have like never, yeah, never even knew existed. It's yeah. so different. It's I like I you know I I probably will hopefully be doing more of it because yeah. it's I, it was super fun. You know, money's money. It was super fun to be able to do that. I haven't. Pl- I got to play with Logan. I haven't played with Logan in a couple. In a oh couple, yeah. Like, when I played with him on the 16th, that was the first time since the Virgil gig I've played with him. Dude, so, I've, like, I still to this day have never played with Logan. He's a blast. It's a blast to play with him. I, I just, hope you get a chance to. Yeah. Um, it's it's but, so weird because we're both playing down there full time, and we're both prog nuts. And mm-hmm. like, like, how do how are we not? How we've not been on the stage yeah. together. That doesn't doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But anyway. Man, I love what you were saying about it seems like the drums have played a very important part in your life mm-hmm. through a lot of ups and downs. Yes. Very much um, so. Maybe just if you could maybe go deeper into that a little bit. But for sure. Ha- have you were there times where you were just ready to call it quits with the drums or the drums weren't that escape route? There was probably some times in college, I, I would say that, you know, yeah. just because it's like sometimes you're so intense into it that it just gets to where like it's it can sap some of that fun and excitement out of it for you. Yeah. You're like, you know, I think then too, it sounds weird, but like July 20th will be three years without drink. Um, when I initially started that, uh, that whole journey playing was it was like felt like I was relearning how to play a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like um, I like the I remember the first gig that I. I played a gig up in um, the Austin City Saloon that's up there. It's mm-hmm. playing with Rye. And I'd done gigs with him before. And, like, this was my first show back, I think, without really, like, drinking or anything like that. I remember, f- like, f- not only feeling but hearing the space in the groove, feeling and hearing what the pocket feels like or what felt like. I don't necessarily do a lot of the AA stuff. I have some issues with some of the things regarding AA. Mm-hmm. But I still – but, like, I still went through – I have a copy of the big book. I've gone through portions of it and read a lot of it. Um, you know, their whole concept of like 
the concept of a higher power that kind of struck me for me i think that that was going that for me that was music yeah. um the drums i think for me were it, it sounded like i i don't drop to my knees and you know genuflect in front of the drums or anything like that but i can't other than like breathing and shitting i can't think of anything i've done for as long in my life as play the drums yeah it's always been that constant it's been that constant yeah. for me you know i have you know i like had a rough spat at the, towards the tail end of last year again it's a similar thing of like yeah but the drums are still there they're still pretty sick you know i'm still pretty you know it's still pretty cool you know or and like after i got the record done i was excited and was really happy with what i'd gotten to do but it was a stressful process it was a really stressful process to get it done mm-hmm. and um i also like felt like i had sort of like there was a little bit of fun out of it just or a little bit of a lull in it because i felt like i kind of like plateaued i'm happy with what i played but this feels like this is where i'm at and i feel like when you get out of like a really intense process you're like well now i did the process and i'm done mm. with the process but now what you know uh you sort of felt like a little bit listless there with some of those things but then it was like I would listen to Kenny play Atomic Age or I would throw on Meta and listen to Elliot Hoffman play or like when Dennis did his Zildjian Live, I cried watching that thing because I was like, whew, yeah. like here is this man that like basically came back from death and the thing yeah. that he's – and is mm-hmm. playing just as good if not better than he was you know, before any of this. Like it was like – it just it I, I don't know man it's, like it's, it's a, very inspiring right yeah it's inspiring it's yeah. a it's an inspiring instrument I think I you know it's almost like self reinforces its own growth because you you sit down and you play the only way to be able to express yourself on it is through technical ability I think Elich talks about that a lot where he's like your vocabulary your technique is how you express right you know um, and so the and and it's a lot more I think I think it also it's a lot more immediate and it's a lot more visual like I've tried to do guitar but i for me it just doesn't make sense and i think that's because i can't like like i can look at it and see what i'm doing but i for whatever reason it visually just doesn't hit right you mm-hmm. know and so i'm just like mm. but this and like this stuff and yep. that all that you know it's like <laughs> oh man i can that's I can, where you find yourself and yeah i can your see, freedom i can i can see you know i can see and hear things and the tangibility of the drums i think is the one thing about it too that i really really enjoy like you're you're the thing that's making it do what it needs to do. You're the thing that's, you're the vocabulary, you're the technique, you know, you're the, like I said, yeah, yeah like if you want to. There's no fuzz pedal or anything. Yeah. It's just flat instruments you and know, it's, it's up just to us. It, you know, anything, <laughs> you, you know, you can do it with nearly anything. This is a, this is a drum, this is a drum, that's a drum, this is drum, yeah. this is drum, but I don't want to hit that. <laughs> it's, it's universal. It's a communicator. Yeah. It's, it brings people together. It gets people moving. Even in the times when it's been difficult to do it. It's still there, you know, like, I, yeah, yeah, you know, I, one of my, it's helped me with, with some stuff, but had dark times with it too, where like, I think it's the only thing I've ever really could say I've ever really wanted to do, you know, and, and regardless of anything else, you know, I, friend of mine, Scott, he plays bass for Fable Cry, but he had, I talked to him about that a a long time ago and he was like, I want to play bass. The only thing that means is I'm just like playing bass to myself forever. If it was like, you're only going to play drums in your living room for the rest like no one else is going to hear it for the rest of your life no one's going to hear it it's just you you're not it's not for it's not for stage and everything like that would you i would you want to do it it's like yeah definitely and it's like well, you'll <laughs> yeah, be all right still you choose that. like yeah like i think that's that's for me that that's just how it is man and that's how i think it's always been once i once the bug bit like mm-hmm. i even if it even the times when it's like this sucks or the times of like i suck <laughs> like which yeah. is more often than yeah. which is more often than than it's sucking like it's just it's just like there the power that comes from it, you know, watching Dennis play for 45 minutes and being enraptured with that, like the power that comes from, come from, come from that. It's so, it's like, it's so cool, 
getting to watch somebody do this thing that's like it's a sport it's an art it's using your body in a way that you don't use your body normally to create this thing that nobody else can do <laughs> and there's so many different ways to do everything with it. Nearly everybody does it differently. There's drummers that I listen to and I'm like, dude, this is a straight up clone of so-and-so, but they still have things about the way they do that are completely different from how they would ever do it. You know, mm -hmm. um, I just, yeah, there's, dude, that was, yeah, I, that was just a beautiful summary of drumming. Yeah. I, 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 I appreciate you rules, sharing man. that. Yeah, drumming fucking yeah. rules, man. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just what a lot of it is for me, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's a service to, and being able to, to serve and help other people, I think, because we can, you know, like our goal is to get feet tapping and NASA's moving and yeah. you feel good when you do that. So like we're helping people feel good. How could you not love that? You know? Yeah. Agreed. Like, Love it. Yeah, I think that's a perfect place. Just ask a couple quick, like, kind of rapid, rapid fire questions. Yes, yes, absolutely. Man, maybe more Nashville specific. Yes, please. Um, Anything. You want to go first? Oh, well, I, I was actually, I don't know about Nashville <laughs> specific. I was going to ask, anything, who, yeah. I was gonna ask who his favorite X Men is. My favorite yeah, X Men? Yeah. Then I'm going to go X Men and then I'm going to go. wearing uh, an X Men t shirt. I am wearing an X Men t shirt. Yeah. I was going to uh, ask that as well. I have to say, probably Cyclops. Okay. Interest, interesting choice. I know. So the thing about it is, is every other version of Cyclops but the comics has done that man dirt. The the animated series does him dirt. The movies did the movies did him dirt. And but like he is oh, he's kind of an asshole in the comics though. Oh, for yeah. sure. But like who wouldn't be if you're supposed to be like the head of an entire group of people? Like yeah. you know, like I, it's he's like just, that's the, yeah. He's he's a total like I yeah. Some of his decisions oh, I'm like yes. I would if you were in the room with me and the, and this you were a real person <laughs> and you didn't have mutant superpowers, <laughs> I would beat the shit out of you. Oh, for sure. Is, dude, yeah. the dude, yeah, like, that's, that's, the, that's, yeah. The, you know, that's the thing I love about it, man. It's like, what do you, like, here's this person that's been put in this, like, impossible position. And like, what is this, what does he do? Like, how does it, like, yeah. someone, like, in addition to wanting to always do, like, the right thing, you know? Yeah. That's like, you know, I'd say he's probably my favorite. And then probably Storm is my second favorite. Okay. She's a fucking badass. She you is. Know? She's a beast. Um, but that's, yeah, I'm trying to think of me, but yeah, no, okay. I, those are my, those are probably my two favorites, but okay. definitely probably Cyclops. And how do you feel? I'm just going to make a, one addendum question. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't, they're supposedly doing uh, the neck, yes. more, more oh, of the 90s. Yeah. I'm psyched for it. I mean, I'm so, I'm so in. Yeah. I, I may not enjoy the character assassination of Cyclops that that show was, but right. at the same time, like, <laughs> I still love that fucking show, though. Like, I'm not going to, more, yeah. oh, more X Men, like, please inject in veins right. like, immediately. I, dude, yes. Like, <laughs> Shut up and take yeah. my money. Especially this one, too, because, like, the movies are so hit and miss. Like, you yes. got two good ones, then a really bad one, then a pretty solid one, then a good one, and then, like, two okay one, and then a really bad one. And it's, like, so far, Marvel getting their stuff back. They've done pretty good with the stuff they get back. So yep. I'm, like, hopeful that they, they do good for the X-Men. Oh, I need, I need, we need We need that. Dan, your question. <laughs> okay. Um, what's your favorite thing about Nashville and your least favorite thing about Nashville? My favorite thing... About Nashville. My favorite thing about Nashville is probably the coffee. Mm. There's been a lot of. I, I was favorite nervous. spot. My favorite spot currently. Caliber. Yeah, Caliber. yeah. Caliber. I love. Caliber I love that coffee. place. Yeah. Caliber coffee is my favorite. You ever get their egg and cheese sandwich? I need their sandwiches. Is it the massive. The, uh, what is it called? The the Jake bomb. Is it the Jake bomb or the whatever, probably? The, yeah, the yeah I just get a basic. But the, it, it is the best. It is it is a bagel with cream cheese and bacon. That's it. And it is. There's nothing wrong with that. It's so yeah. good. Um, but what, what part of town are you in? 
Currently, I, I was living out in Donaldson for a little bit, but just currently in the last month have moved out to like Walter Hill near Murfreesboro. Okay. Um, so I'm kind of back. I, I just also started working uh, out at Innovative on the 11th of April. Uh, oh, the, nice. Yeah, the Innovative Factory. So I've cool. Been, cool. Which I love. It is the first like music-related job I've had. Uh, but yeah, my favorite thing about Nashville is the coffee. Coffee. My least favorite thing is the rampant uh, unchecked growth and cost of living increases mostly. Yes. Yeah, um, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, that's probably yes. like that's, traffic. Yeah, traffic Nashville is closed. We don't need any more people to move here. Thank you. All right, do you got one more question here? Um, yeah, how do you feel about shock tarts? I do like shock tarts. Yeah, I haven't had those in years. Most, most sour candies I'm, I'm a fan of. Yeah. Sour candies. Not too much of a candy guy, but like that's usually what I go for if yeah. I go for sour stuff. Same, same. Yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a candy guy, but if I if I go to the movies, I have to have Sour Patch Kids. It's same. Not yeah. the watermelon. That's my drug. Yeah. The kids. Give me the so sour like children, please. Sour I would children, say. Please. That's a good band name. Yeah. Sour, sour children. <laughs> please. What's up, children? All right, we got to wrap this show up. Awesome. Dude, Alan, it was great to meet you and Fan- learn your story. You as well, Give us the quick uh, social media links or if you want to get a hold of you. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I pretty much mostly just do stuff off Instagram, instagram.com slash fifedigs, P-F-E-I-F, digs. Um, just one word. Uh, you can also, I'm usually tagged in anything Flummox related. Uh, Flummoxtagram, one word, uh, is our handle. I'm just that's the coolest band name. I, yeah. I, they, yeah, I believe it, they, they, I think it was a, it was a pick out of a Dr. Seuss book. They were like, they did one of the like flip opens and find a word and Flummox popped up. And it's a pretty accurate description of everything. Um, I know we do have, we just announced all of our regional dates through July, I believe, at this point. Um, we're, our next regional, and then we're doing a tour at the end of June couple dates in July through a couple dates here and there from July through September that were pretty well done but we are playing the if anybody in the area wants to see what the hell we're doing um, the 11th we're playing at the Nashville punk rock flea market is what it is Ooh. yeah it's like a three in the afternoon show which is kind of weird but because uh, we are yeah. playing there but we're doing that on the 11th we've got Sweet. some stuff on the 4th and 5th next week you know and then we're heading up to do we're at the end of the end of June we're heading up into we're heading up towards Frederick for the Maryland Dune Fest and doing a show in and around there's a couple shows in and around there so awesome um, yeah so just if yeah hit me up I do I have also started teaching some lessons very basic level stuff so if you want to get it get to me for any of that very basic level blast beats you know basic level yeah. blasts you know <laughs> I, pro- I mean, probably could at this point I could maybe teach some of that stuff yeah, cool man yeah we'll link to all that indeed indeed awesome Thanks for listening to this episode of the National Drummers Podcast. If you liked it, please consider leaving us a review on the Apple Podcast app. Definitely check us out on Instagram. You can follow us at Nashville Drummers Podcast. If you're interested in being on the podcast, go ahead and send a message to either Dan or myself, or you can send it directly to the Nashville Drummers page on Instagram, and we will talk to you. And review your case and we'll judge you harshly just kidding